You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Rain Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Yes, I did almost forget my name. Mind your own business. How you doing today? Hope everything's going great. Happy Sunday. We got a Packer game today. That's kind of cool. Don't forget to call in 608-501-0718. Tonight, prior to the game, give me your thoughts. Make sure they're not super hot takes because I'm going to play them tomorrow after everybody's already, you know, either super excited about a win or super upset about a loss. And, uh, you know, I just sometimes feel bad <laughs> about some of the calls I have to play. But anyways, uh, definitely during, after, whatever. Give me your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, all that stuff. I wanted to, as we kind of go through the games this week a little bit, um, give an update on where we're at post-Thursday. We've obviously got the Cowboys, the Bills, the Vikings, the Patriots, the Giants, and the Lions that are already done with their games. Um, obviously, Cowboys, Bills, and Vikings were the beneficiaries of that. The Vikings right now, uh, basically a lock to make the playoffs, um, basically a lock to win the division. They have a 21% chance of a first-round buy and are currently sitting at a 7% chance of winning the Super Bowl, which makes me want to... Get sick in my chair. Next best odds are the Green Bay Packers with a 6% chance of uh, making it into the playoffs, a 0.2% chance to win the division, and then a less than uh, one-tenth of 1% chance of a first-round bye or winning the Super Bowl. The Lions are next. Um, They actually, (laughs) they're, they're lower on the list as far as I don't even know what their power rank or whatever, but they have a higher chance of making the playoffs because they have the tiebreaker, obviously, with the Packers, but an 8% chance of making the playoffs, 3% chance of winning the division, and then sub-10 for every, uh, one-tenth for everything else. Chicago Bears are third from the bottom. They have a 0.2% chance of making it into the playoffs. They cannot win the division. They cannot get a first-round bye, and um, also very, 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 very slim chance of winning the Super Bowl. An update on where things can end up. The Bears are one of the few teams that actually have the ability of uh, having something significant happening this weekend, and that is they have the ability to be knocked out of the division title contention this week. Chicago and Houston are the only two, and Chicago has officially been eliminated from that. Um, so the only team, I believe, right now that, that is officially eliminated from potentially winning their division. The Texans are the other one that can be this weekend, depending on wins, losses, etc. If the Packers do lose this weekend, although there are some variables that can um, that can take place, it'll drop us to roughly two to three percent chance, uh, with a less than one tenth of one percent chance of winning the division. Basically, we win out, the Vikings lose out, and probably a few other things have to happen. 
Um, but it's important to note that we can't be eliminated this weekend because a lot of people are talking about, is there a chance that we could possibly bench Rodgers after this weekend? Assuming we aren't eliminated, which we mathematically cannot be, I don't think so. So we just dropped to like 3%, and, and I don't even know after next weekend if we can officially be eliminated. I tried. I tried to mix with a couple different things. I can't get us eliminated for quite some time. And, and after Philly, um, we have Chicago, and after that we have a bye. So um, it might be a while before we're officially eliminated, unfortunately, for some people who want to get this over with and just, you know, move on. But uh, as we've discovered, either way, we want the bad teams to win and the good teams to lose. Whether we're shooting for a playoff spot or, or shooting for a high draft pick, that's what we're ultimately aiming for. But right now, the Green Bay Packers, as far as their standings in, on both sides of those things, Packers right now are the 11th seed, which is, as you can imagine, not great. you got to get to 7th in order to be in the playoffs. Um, as far as their NFL draft order, they're 13th, so... Again, as many people have pointed out, we're sitting in no man's land. This is not a fun place to be. But hopefully things start to uh, shake themselves out. Honestly, if you want to know my honest opinion, I don't think we're going to deviate from where we're at. I think we're going to end right about here. Uh, I think we're going to be roughly like an 11th seed with the 13, 14, 15, 16, 17th pick, somewhere in that range. Because I I don't know what's going to happen against Philly. Like I said, I feel better about this game than Tennessee, but I do think we're probably going to lose the game. But looking forward, I do think we're going to probably win several games. I don't think we're going to bench Rodgers, and I do think we're going to find some success, and I do think we're going to end up playing all the way through the season. You know, we don't have that final game where we're sitting because of the playoffs, and I I don't think we're sitting Rodgers. I just don't think we're going to do that. And as a result, we're going to have some guys like, you know, Christian Watson continue to get better. Romeo Dobbs is going to come back, and... um you know, we'll, we'll probably win as many games as we lose, maybe one more or one less here or there. But uh, yeah, that's that's my expectation. We, we, we will miss the playoffs and not get a good draft pick, and uh, nothing good will come of this season at all. And I also don't think anything drastic is going to change next year. As much as we want there to be some major changes, uh, Matt LaFleur stays, Gutekunst stays, I think Rodgers probably stays. We probably stick with Bakhtiari, and, and I don't know about Jones because his contract is so overbearing, but we're going to end up losing pieces because um, we don't have any money, because we're not doing anything to fix our con- uh, the, the contracts or anything, so, so we continue to go negative every year you know, with all the, the dead money and, and uh, overinflated contracts. We, we have very poor salary cap efficiency, I guess would be the best way to put it. And so we have less money than your average team because we're paying too much. And I think we just kind of flounder. That's, and I know, and you got to understand too, for a lot of the Packer fans, what I'm saying right now is what's behind a lot of the quote unquote negative fans conversation about why they want so much change, why they want this guy fired or that guy fired or Rogers replaced or whatever is because this is, I think the most realistic path that we're going to take. And it's horrible. Because you also have to understand that once we start a rebuild, it could be a year, two, three years before, even if things go well, the team starts to change. So if we don't change things until 2025, that means 2022 sucks, 2023 sucks, 2024 sucks, 2025 sucks. Then we find a new quarterback and a new coach and a new this and a new that. And then we start to build through the draft. And then we start to get our salary. I mean, it could be 2026, 2027 before anything gets fixed. That's the underlying fear. 
Now, that's an overreaction to the possibility that maybe we pick 13th instead of 9th, but it's it's the general thought process of just leave it alone, it's fine. Don't overreact, don't be mean, don't be negative, don't say fire people, don't don't get rid of players, how dare you. This, you know, if, if you don't change anything, you're just going to keep getting what you're getting, except it's going to keep getting worse because, the again, the salary cap will continue to uh, devolve. And you say, well, the salary cap goes up, so that's not really true, we're going to be fine. No, we're not. I'm not saying we're going to be flat broke, but the problem is we still have salary cap inefficiency. So if it goes up for other teams and not as much for us, it still has the same effect. If it goes up 50 million, but we can only utilize 25 million because we're overpaying so many people because of so many pushback contracts that we refuse to get out of, that means that we have a $25 million deficiency that we can't take advantage of that other people can. And so we get outbid on players and, and everything else. It still works the same way. If anything, it could be a major negative because the salary cap going up is not going to force us to offload some of these contracts. It's going to allow us to continue because, hey, 20 some odd million for a running back, that's pretty ridiculous. That's pretty stupid. It was a terrible decision, and we probably shouldn't continue making that terrible decision, but we're going to because the salary cap increase is going to allow us to. So instead of paying two, three million for a running back, we're going to pay 22 million for a running back. Not to pick on Aaron Jones, but just to give people somewhat of an understanding of of the issue that I think a lot of us are having with nothing being done. And granted, there's really nothing that can be done now, but but we just want to see some kind of a sign that there's an acknowledgement that this is this sucks, this isn't good enough, we made a mistake, and we're going to go in a different direction. Now, the problem is we're never going to get that because the, the team is not going to just come out and say that, but I think a lot of fans just want to see that. Give me something. Show me something. That's that's a lot. Even even the bench Rogers thing. Well, what do you think that's going to make us better? Has nothing to do with that. Literally nothing to do with that. It's a simple matter of please demonstrate to me that you're not okay with just continuing down this garbage, horrible, horrific path indefinitely. Show me something. So, to all the uh, pessimistic, negative, realistic futuristic, whatever kind of fans you want to call yourself, I, I, I have no good news for you because I do think this is the path we go down, at least for one more year. If we repeat this again, then it's like, okay, now we need to go in a new direction. But that is, that is my expectation for the season. If anybody, if anybody happens to care about my opinion on my podcast, um, I think we will probably end the season maybe like seven wins, go from four and seven to seven and 10, something like that. And yeah, that probably will leave us right about where we're at. As for the upcoming games, though, you got Baltimore and the Jaguars, which really has no, uh, obviously, any implication for us. Denver, Carolina. Uh, what's hilarious about this, and I've made this comment before, how, how close we are to getting a really high pick. Carolina right now has the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. They're three and eight. We're four and seven. We have one more win than the team with the number two overall pick. Same with the Bears, who are number three. They're three and eight. So again, regardless of, of your uh, desire to either get into the playoffs or get a high draft pick, um, we're still rooting for the Carolina Panthers. Plus, you get to laugh at the Broncos a little bit, which is great. I should clarify, that is unless you think Carolina is, is challenging us for a playoff spot, in which case, yeah, definitely Denver. But I don't think that's a thing. Tennessee and the Bengals doesn't really matter. Tampa and Cleveland. Tampa's kind of been on a little bit of a run. They are currently a playoff team, believe it or not, sitting at 5-5. Five and five. So if the playoffs are your desire, then you definitely want them to lose. 
draft, it's a little bit indifferent unless you think we're going to leapfrog them. But if, if we end up with a better record than Tampa, we're not going to get a good pick anyways. So my recommendation, just root against Tampa because it's Tampa and it's Tom Brady and, and forget them. Considering what they've done to us over the years, I just want them to lose. Atlanta and Washington are in a very similar situation, uh, six and five compared to five and six. They both are the, the, the same thing. We all probably should want the uh, Washington Commanders to win. And the reason I say that is because our ability to leapfrog Washington is quite low, considering Washington beat us, and they're already two games ahead of us. So if you're talking about playoffs, you probably want to leapfrog Atlanta. If you're more concerned about the draft, the Falcons would be the better way to go. Again, because Washington will be drafting after us. Very slim chance that that doesn't happen. The Falcons are only one game ahead of us. If we win and they lose we probably fall behind them. So weird giving two different pieces of advice, but I don't have to tell you what to do. You can make up your own mind. Houston and Miami doesn't super matter, although, of course, Houston going on a bit of a run would be kind of nice. Obviously, a very slim chance we end up picking before Houston, but there is always a chance. The other way to view this, though, is that the Chicago Bears are um, much closer to picking ahead of Houston than the Packers are. So if we assume we're never going to get a higher pick than Houston, we probably want Houston to keep losing because we definitely don't want Chicago to get the number one overall pick. So probably should just root for Houston to lose, I guess. Bears-Jets is a no-brainer. We'll probably look a little bit more in-depth at that in just a minute because that's kind of an interesting game. But um, the Jets are six-point favorites, believe it or not. Even without a quarterback, they are six-point favorites over the Bears. Um, And look, I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan. I'm telling you, I can't root for the Bears. I can't do it. I, I, I am a huge draft fan. I want the Packers to get a high draft pick. Um, I, I think, I'm trying to think what the perfect scenario would be, but whatever it is, it's the Packers get a really high pick, but the Bears are higher than us because there's no way we're going to be worse than the Bears. So Houston, Chicago, Green Bay. Okay, I'll live with that. I would prefer that over Houston, Green Bay, Chicago. Now, if we're talking number one overall pick, maybe we'll see how it goes. Depends who that number one is. That's that's a valuable thing there. But if we're talking two and three, now nah, let the Bears have it. I don't care. I just, I can't do it. I can't be worse than the Bears. Uh, Raiders, Seahawks, doesn't really matter so much for the draft. Playoffs, though, it does. They're an NFC team. They're two games ahead of us. You want them to lose the game to give us a better chance of sliding in. Chargers, Cardinals, the Chargers are a uh, four and seven team with a higher pick than us. So. If you're trying to get into the playoffs, you want them to lose. If you're trying to get a higher pick than them, you want them to win the game. And that one's probably one of the bigger ones because they have a decent chance of winning it. And it's sort of, assuming the Packers lose, that's sort of an automatic result kind of thing. I remember when I did landscaping, one of my favorite things to do was sod. Sod was awesome. It wasn't super difficult. I mean, sod is kind of heavy. You got to kind of haul it and everything else. But the fact that it does such a, a... I mean, there's a lot of prep work. You know, you got to clean up the yard. Sometimes there's grass you got to bring up and rake out, and it's just a disaster. But you lay down that sod, there's an instant transformation. The yard looks absolutely amazing relatively quickly. It's that instant result and that satisfaction. If the Packers lose and the Cardinals win, boom, we jump up the, up the rankings right then and there. Saints 49ers. The Saints are picking ahead of us. The 49ers are in the playoffs. So this is a nice one because either way, we want the Saints to win right? Saints win, 49ers lose. It puts us closer to the playoffs and puts us closer to a higher pick. Rams, Chiefs, rooting for the Rams. 
pretty much no matter what, again, unless you're afraid that the Rams are going to take our spot in the playoffs, which is almost impossible. Beyond that, though, the Detroit Lions have the Rams pick. And right now, the Detroit Lions have pick number six. So I think no matter what, we should be rooting for the Rams to start winning a lot more games because it hurts the Lions and it helps the Packers. And the only way it hurts the Packers is, again, if they go on a run and end up knocking us out of the playoffs so that they can get in, which is not going to happen. Plus, the Chiefs lose. So win, 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 win. Then you got Packers-Eagles. And, uh, I mean, that one's pretty straightforward how that works. Um, Followed by Monday, Pittsburgh and the Colts, and nobody cares. So that is Sunday's NFL action. It's early, but why don't we take a break here just so we can kind of fly through the rest of the stuff. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore dad if you want to support the podcast. Uh, Also, please, if you would consider supporting Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry.org. Remember, we are giving away a Paul Horning jersey. It is signed by the man himself and comes with a certificate of authenticity. You get one additional entry into the giveaway for every $5 that you donate to Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. You can, again, find them at FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. So I want to start off looking at, uh, well, we had the Vikings and Lions already play, so I want to look at the Bears because I I think this game is actually extremely interesting. Um, Number one, because (laughs) I don't know which quarterbacks are playing. You may know because you're ahead of me, obviously, in time, but um, I don't don't know whether Justin Fields is going to start. The latest information I got, Uh, according to uh, Jay Fowler, ESPN, is Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields is pushing to play in Sunday's game, but the decision will come from the higher-ups, general manager and team president. They got to make sure he is good. This is in addition to the fact that Zach Wilson has been benched, so he's not playing. Here's the other crazy thing, though. Not only are we talking about potentially two backup quarterbacks, I don't know if the teams are going to be better or worse. I assume the Jets are going to be better without Zach Wilson, but I don't know. I also don't know for sure that the Bears are going to be, you know, better or worse. I would assume worse. And I know most people, well, you're being ridiculous. Of course, they're going to be worse. There is a very high probability that whatever quarterback comes in is going to be a better passer than Justin Fields. The complication would be that the entire offense is, is largely predicated on Fields' running ability. The team as a whole's running ability, but also feels but here, here's the the potential that that's not entirely the case if they're still able to run the ball with a lot of success without Justin Fields that is running back offensive line and they can still open up the passing game without Justin Fields and now they have a better quarterback again when I say quarterback I'm talking about throwing the football decision making progressions accuracy to throw to the to the receiver I don't know that the Bears don't improve Now, I'm not even necessarily saying that they are, you know, Simeon, I believe, is the only other quarterback that would be available. I'm not saying Simeon's even a better quarterback. I'm saying if that is the case, that's what makes it so difficult because you have two quarterbacks that are really wildly inaccurate quarterback, and I don't know if they're playing. So I I have no idea. And the problem is if neither quarterback starts, we're not going to get any clarity because one team's going to win, one team's going to lose. And a lot of things will be said about, well, if this person, if that person, but who knows? But I think regardless, the, the interesting component will be how good of a rushing attack do the Bears have? And, and, and I, I, if I had to guess, I'd say 55% sure Justin Fields is going to play, but I don't know. I, I don't think they should. I think Bears fans agree generally they shouldn't play him because if he is your future, why risk hurting him? The season is over. What does it matter? 
Obviously, you don't need to really evaluate Trevor Simeon. He's not the quarterback of the future, no matter what, but that's not really the point. But but what I'd be curious in is, what does this team look like without Justin Fields? Because it, it changes the dynamic of everything so much when the defense has to account for a guy like Fields. That's what the big benefit is to having a, a extremely mobile quarterback and talented runner. The other, I mean, there's other factors too, as, as, as well as the, uh, the sacks. You, you remember Justin Fields' first year, they said the same thing, but there were never nearly as many sacks against, I don't even remember who the other guy was. It was a Dalton. He never had as many sacks as Fields. So the idea that the offensive line is trash and, and that's the reason Fields is constantly under assault and everything else, if that's the case, Simeon is going to get sacked five times in this game and he's not going to be able to throw anywhere. It's going to be a disaster. If the sacks are largely because of holding onto the ball too much, then there won't be as much pressure. So what does the run game look like? How open are the receivers without that rushing threat and without the, the quarterback rushing ability? How much pressure is there? It'll give us a much clearer picture of the team. But anyways, the Jets are six-point favorites. I'm not touching that one. I have no idea what to think of that game. Green Bay Packers, and this line hasn't really moved uh, very much, if at all. Uh, Six-and-a-half-point underdogs. I think I said something similar. I think it was a similar line against Dallas, and I said I was kind of surprised that it wasn't more than that. And we ended up winning. So we will see. We'll see how it goes. But the uh, final injury report for the Green Bay Packers, Romeo Dobbs officially out. Devondre Campbell is doubtful. Bakhtiari, Shamar, Gene Charles are um, questionable, presumed to be playing in this game. All that is um, about what we expected. I I wanted to touch on one final thing before we get to score prediction and um, some other thoughts from Patreon slash Twitter. There was a, uh, who wrote this article here? This is 24-7 Sport. Oh, Zach Jacobson. Seen a lot of people retweeting this. Um with concern about the comments from our offensive coordinator. Essentially, the concern, if I may kind of skip to the end here, is that Stenovich can't be trusted because he likes Sammy Watkins and Sammy Watkins is an idiot, right? Sammy Watkins sucks. Stenovich says Sammy Watkins is good. Therefore, Stenovich can't be trusted and should be fired. That's, okay, that's where we're at. Here is where this is all derived from. Here's a quote. Having him out there at 100% is a big boost for our offense, Stenovich said, going uh, to bat for the ninth-year veteran in the midst of an underwhelming campaign that have prompted fans to call for his removal from the lineup. Quote, it gives you another weapon to get the ball. He's got strong hands, he's hard to tackle. When he's playing at 100% and feeling good, he's a great weapon for us. He went on to add, having him out there is uh, is tremendous for us because it gives you another piece to go make some plays. I don't find really any of this to be controversial. It's only if we assume that Stenovich is being 100%, I'm not even going to say honest, but transparent. That is to say, his number one goal is to give us the best possible information. I don't think that's the case. Sammy Watkins is a Green Bay Packers player. He is a wide receiver. Stenovich is his coach. He is the offensive coordinator. He's in the meetings with Sammy Watkins. He's the one trying to build him up and get him prepared to play, and get him motivated to play. And he gave an answer that meant almost nothing because of the amount of qualifiers that are in it. And beyond that, even the descriptions he gave about what it is he does well aren't even really super debatable. It's just a matter of we haven't really gotten much from him recently. So for example, what did he say? He said it's a boost for our offense. Okay. Why? Well, it gives us another weapon to get the ball to. Duh. What else? He's got strong hands. Does he? Yes or no? 
Yes. Is it helping? No, but he didn't say that. He just said he has strong hands. He's hard to tackle. Is he? Yeah. He's a big dude. And then he adds, when he's playing at 100% and feeling good, he's a great weapon for us. Which would lead us to surmise that he's kind of blaming whatever kind of, I don't know, physical ailments he's going through are, are potentially part of the issue for why he's maybe not playing at his best. The bottom line is, this is coach speak. Right? We don't need to overreact to Adam Stenovich. Beyond that, he's not a personnel guy. That's the other thing we need to remember here. If this was Brian Gutekunst, and we believed that his actual assessment is that Sammy Watkins is a great asset to our team that should be reinvested in, that's a liability. But you're asking a coach a personnel question, or at least interpreting this as a personnel question, that's not his job. His job is to get the guys in front of him ready to play football. And part of getting them ready to play, this is what we've been talking about this whole time, is there's no leadership. There's no da 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 Another version of, of bad leadership is trashing your football players in front of the media. Because again, remember, there's no, they don't get anything out of this. The media means nothing to them. There's no benefit to them to tell us any information whatsoever. There's nothing. It's just for our entertainment and us standing around demanding answers like petulant children. He's just, he, he, he was asked a question that was clearly meant that anybody could see to get him to crucify and embarrass and throw under the bus one of his own players, and he didn't do it. That's it. And he went on to say that when he's, when he's at his best, he's a, uh, an asset for us. And we saw that. We saw him make plays. Does Stenovich fully understand that Sammy's not playing well? Of course, he was a big part of the reason why he is where he is on the depth chart. You think he wasn't a part of making that decision? He's the guy that did it. He and Matt LaFleur and whoever else was involved in that. He fully is aware of, he's seen the film, he's fully aware of all the issues with Sammy Watkins. He just didn't throw him under the bus. That's it. We don't need to read any more into this. I think we take way too much stuff at face value. I can't believe he likes Sammy Watkins. What a joke. How do you know he likes Sammy? Well, he said so. So what? So what? He lied to you. You believe everything everybody tells you? Come on, man. Smarten up a little bit. You know better than that. All right. So I did my little uh, DVOA trick thing to try to come up with a... Um, and of course, I closed the tab because I am an absolute freak about this stuff. And I refuse to leave tabs open that I'm not using. The problem is I just start to accumulate them, and then as I go through, I'm like, all right, I need to close some of these, and I don't remember. Like, I just see Google Sheets. I'm like, what is this crap? Get it out of here. I'm like, oh, wait. No, I did need that. All right, so here, here's the situation. The Green Bay Packers right now are averaging 18.36 points per game. They're giving up 22.1 points per game. The Eagles are scoring 26.3 points per game and are giving up 18.3 points. Now, I could look at a more compressed... Um, version of this, and maybe I'll do it just for fun. In other words, rather than looking at the entire season, look at the last half of the season, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't want to read too much into it. Plus, it's it's been actually pretty accurate, just leaving it as it is. So we'll start with the, because remember, we're getting two different score predictions. There's the score prediction looking at the Packers score on offense and defense and adjusting using the Eagles DVOA. And then there's the Eagles points Per, and then adjusting using the Packers DVOA. And again, which seems to happen pretty regularly, 
there is a uh, an agreement, and that is how many points the Eagles are going to score in this game. But if we look at the Packers first, the Packers score 18.36 points per game. The Philadelphia Eagles defense via DVOA is 12.1% better than your average defense. If you apply that to our score, strictly from a point standpoint, that's 2.22 points less, meaning we would score 16.14 points. So we'll call it 16 points. Our defense gives up 22 points a game. Their offense is 16.6% better than your average offense. That puts them at 25.67 points. So according to this, the score would be Packers 16, Eagles 26. If we look at it from the Eagles standpoint, the Eagles score 26 points per game. The Packers defense is 2.9% worse than your average. Actually, I did this wrong. I subtracted it on accident. So there's not agreement still very close, that would put them at 27 points. So looking at it from the Packers standpoint, the Eagles score 26. Looking at it from the Eagles standpoint, they score 27. So roughly 26 to 27 points. Their defense allows about 18.3 points. The Packers offense, believe it or not, is 8.1% better than your average offense. That would put us at just below 20 points. We'll just call it 20. So the Eagles will score between 26 and 27. And then looking at the Packers, it would be somewhere between 16 and 20 points. We'll call it 18. So I'm going to call it 18 to 26 Eagles win. There's my score prediction for the game. All right, let's kick it over to, uh, we'll start with uh, Patreon here and see what they had to say. I didn't give them a lot of time to, uh, to get a lot of responses, which is why I turned to Twitter just so that we had more responses. But I asked for not just a score prediction, but just any kind of prediction as well as some hot takes. So we will see what Patreon had to say. Aaron says, um, hold on, flipping a coin, heads, the lights on, tails, lights off. The flip was head, so I guess Packers win 31-28. Takasu says, part of me would like to see a win, so I wouldn't be mercilessly ridiculed at the office Monday, but at this point, reality should be hitting. We aren't running the table. The table was donated to Goodwill weeks ago. Let's get that draft pick. Chris says, Eagles 31, Packers 13. Dan says, 31-13, Eagles. Wow, that's exact same score prediction. He says, I also predict at least one roughing the passer penalty against Sue or a personal foul flag for a dirty play against Sue. Wow, that would, wouldn't that be wild? I would really be curious how the team responds to that, to be completely honest. Because that, that's, that's the whole conversation about toughness as opposed to being soft. Because, I mean, it's not just a matter of Sue does something wrong and then our guys run over and, like, give him a push, you know? Toughness is... We're going to respond by punching you in the mouth the rest of this game, right? That's why Brett Favre was... There's no question Brett Favre was tough. But remember what I've always said. Aaron Rodgers is at his best when he's happy. When he's smiling, you're dead. You're cooked. It's over. Although that's not necessarily the case anymore because now he smiles when he's just kind of like kicking back. When we're losing by 10, he's smiling and hanging out with the other team. But that was the thing. Brett Favre, though, dude, Warren Sapp would get in his face. Game over, right? Sapp, Sapp would kill Favre. There's no debating that. But Favre's going to kill your team. He's vicious. If you piss him off, he will single-handedly dismantle you. The best possible response to that, aside from, obviously, retaliate, retaliation on the field, but it would be to run it right down their throat. Take it personally and do something about it. Here's what Twitter has to say. Mike says, I know you go off of history of recent six-game suspensions like D-Hop, but I'm going to put it out there that the Packers don't miss a beat without Sean Ryan. <laughs> Dang. Don't miss a beat without Sean Ryan. That's our hype man. 
Robert says Philadelphia 34, Green Bay 17. Pretty similar to the other two score predictions. I think it was 31-13. Nikki says Eagles win by 14. Real Axe Murderer says the Eagles will cover, which is to say they'll they'll win by about a touchdown or more. And then uh, Mike, Mr. Packer Superfan, says 34-10 Eagles. So there's really no optimism. I, I, I am more optimistic, even if you were to say, okay, let's let's say that the 26 to, what did I say, 18 thing doesn't happen. What would be the biggest difference? I would say we score more points. I know that sounds weird, but but again, the offense is there. I think it's able to revive itself. If we're able to run the ball, which I think is a possibility, um, I think the offense could look much better than um, than it did against Tennessee. Because remember, that was their whole thing. So in a weird way, because everybody's saying, okay, Dallas was, was obviously a fluke and Tennessee was the way things are supposed to be. Not really. Dallas and Tennessee both make sense. Dallas is a team that really struggles to stop the run, and we succeeded. Tennessee is a team that really is dominant against the run, and now we're going against the Eagles who struggle against the run. Again, Sue and all that changes the dynamics a bit, but if they're still able to run the ball, I think we could see, I'm not saying Dallas all over again, but a, a more revived offense. More than likely what you'd see is, is a little bit closer to a shootout or at least a 2022 version of a shootout in which um, we, we would probably lose a more high-scoring game because our offense can't stop them, but we'll see. Anyways, a uh, short episode, but that's all I got for you. It's all I had planned today, so uh, I'll leave it at that. You have a great day. Go Pack Go, and I will talk to you tomorrow for hopefully Victory Monday. <laughs>